Deuteronomy chapter 11 and we'll read from verse 21. God had been through Moses telling the people to write uh, the law on their doorposts and upon their gates and to have them written on between their eyes and all the rest of it and then he says that your days may be multiplied and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon earth for if ye diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them to love the Lord your God to walk in all his ways and to cleave unto him then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you and ye shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours from the wilderness and Lebanon from the river the river Euphrates even unto the uttermost sea shall your coast be there shall no man be able to stand before you for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that ye shall tread upon as he hath said unto you behold I set before you this day a blessing and a curse a blessing if ye obey the, com <coughs> the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you this day and a curse if ye will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known and we'll just stop there today we're going to remember the Lord Jesus Christ as he has said remember me until he comes in the breaking of bread and in the drinking of the wine in communion but we'll say a little bit more about that later the last time we spoke together we, we spoke about multiplication that God wants us to multiply and he wants us to produce fruit for his glory but I was thinking about this and in Acts 2.41 we have an interesting uh, verse the apostles had been preaching after Pentecost and it says then they that gladly received his word were baptized and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls 3,000 souls were converted in one day and although God wants us to multiply and produce fruit in our lives there's a little thing I wanted to mention here the apostles were preaching the word and that produced fruit to the glory of God the few apostles were there 11 of them and the result was a multiplication from around 120 who had gathered in that upper room to about 3,000 souls converted in this particular day by the apostles no it says the Lord added to the church daily 
such as should be saved. It's always the work of the Holy Spirit. We may be used by God, but it is the Lord who will save the people. You know, this wasn't an en masse conversion like happened in Constantinople years ago. It, the result was a multiplication, all right, but each was an individual soul added to the church and saved by God through grace. And then it's interesting that each individual soul responded to the challenge and each declared their faith and trust in Christ by believer's baptism, all in accordance with Scripture. There were no gimmicks, no user-friendly methods, no help from church growth movements or purpose-driven movements, nothing like that. The Word of God was preached, there was conviction by the Holy Spirit, followed by repentance, belief in the one who had been crucified and they knew all about that crucifixion these people to whom the apostles were speaking because it had happened quite recently they believed that he had risen and ascended and they trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation and they declared it then by public confession in baptism that is the way it was and that is the way it should be today still although they were added daily the church growth was multiplied so multiplication took place but it was by adding individuals to the church day by day and the apostles produced fruit in their lives as a result but let's move on I just thought that was interesting in case you read that thing I was talking about adding onto the church and I'd been talking about multiplication but it all is the same one way or the other remembrance I suppose if we've been thinking about Deuteronomy over the last uh, weeks one thing about Deuteronomy we've said this before is remembering Moses kept reminding the people about the laws of God and how God wanted them to remember his laws. And here again Moses was laying before the people another lesson for them. And you know it couldn't have been simpler what he was saying here. On the one hand in verse 22 he said if you will carefully keep all these commandments which I command you to do them to love the Lord your God to walk in all his ways and to hold fast to him if you do that then in verse 23 he says then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you and you shall possess greater and mightier nations than you every place on which the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours there shall no man stand before you for the Lord your God shall lay fear of you and the dread of you upon the face of all the land that you shall tread upon as he has said to you surely no one could but think that this was a wonderful deal if you remember the Lord's commandments then he will respond with wonderful blessings and as we saw it said that it was going to be like heaven on earth 
It was going to be a wonderful occasion. If they would only keep God's commands. And it goes in verse 26, he says, Behold, I set before you a blessing and a curse. One hand and the other hand. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. And on the other hand, a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But will turn aside out of the way which I command you to go after other gods which you have not known. God promised judgment upon those who disobeyed. But wonderful blessings if they obeyed. Now I'm sure even the smallest child in Israel could have understood those conditions. Nothing could be simpler. Nothing could be more agreeable. This was not a heavy burden that was being put upon Israel for these blessings. It was the blessed privilege of treasuring the commandments of God in their hearts and lives. But it was all to hinge on the pivot of disobedience or obedience. That was the crux of the matter. All the blessings of the law of the land, their inheritance, that land that flowed with milk and honey, the land on whom Jehovah's eyes rested in love and care, all its fruit, its privileges, all was to be enjoyed in perpetuity on one simple condition of obedience to God's word. And the Lord would drive out the enemies and all obstacles from before him for them. They would it would be a triumphal entry into the promised inheritance and it was assured on the ground of affection and obedience. And I was reminded of what the Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly at heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Christ calls us to come and find rest in him. The people would have found rest in that promised land. And Jesus says, come all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We used to sing a chorus. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. I found it so, I found it so. He leadeth me by day and by night where living waters flow. Truly his yoke is easy. And why is it easy? Because he has borne the burden of my guilt. He has borne the burden of my sin. And now he says to me, Come unto me. Come to the one who has borne all for me. And now there is blessing for me in Christ. And I may rest in him. But people refuse to come to the one who can give them rest and peace. And because of his great love for us, he says, 
If ye love me, keep my commandments. Oh, he desires our love in keeping his commandments. I'm going to mention a few hymns this morning because sometimes these hymns are couched in such beautiful language much better than I can say. Here's one. Oh Christ, what burdens bowed thy head? Our load was laid on thee. Thou stoodest in the sinner's stead, didst bear all ill for me. A victim led, thy blood was shed. Now there's no load for me. Death and the curse were in that cup. O Christ, was full for thee. But thou hast drained the last dark drop, tis empty now for me. That bitter cup, love drank it up. Now life and peace for me. Obviously the author of the hymn was was thinking of what Christ said at Gethsemane. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He goes on, Jehovah lifted up his rod, O Christ, it fell on thee. Thou wast so stricken of thy God, there's not one stroke for me. Thy tears, thy blood, beneath it flowed, thy bruising healeth me. The tempest's awful voice was heard. O Christ, it broke on thee. Thy open bosom was my ward. It braved the storm for me. Thy form was scarred, thy visage marred. Now cloudless peace for me. Jehovah bade his sword awake. O Christ, it woke against thee. Thy blood, the flaming blade, must slake. Thine heart, its sheath, must be. All for my sake, my peace to make. Now sleeps that sword for me. For me, Lord Jesus, thou hast died, and I have died in thee. Thou art risen. My hands are all untied. And now thou livest in me. The Father's face of radiant grace shines now in light on me. Because of what Jesus Christ has done. You know in verse 23 it says. Then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you. And ye shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. You know as we move forward as Christians. In obedience and love. God will dispossess every adverse power before us that's what he had promised to do for these people you know Satan has filled this evil world and the human mind with thoughts which are adverse to God and his will but what we learn in scripture is that all are to be dispossessed to the believer You know, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3, it reminds us that at one time we fulfilled the desires and the thoughts of the flesh. The thoughts of Satan. Psalm 37 reminds us that the one totally delighting in God, it says, He shall give thee the desires of your heart. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of your heart. 
the first part of it is important we have to delight ourselves in God if we delight ourselves in God constantly then the desires of our heart would be those desires which God would want to give us and therefore if we delight in God he will give us the desires of our heart because the desires that he wishes to give us should be the same desires that we want from our heart do you get it? and this was the case in the case of the, so in the case of Israel what was his desire for them it was that they would be totally in a land where he was caring for them as we said before it was going to be like heaven on earth he wanted them to have the best how much more for us that God wants us to have through his son the Lord Jesus Christ James puts the same thought another way James says therefore submit yourselves to God resist the devil and he'll flee from you if we submit if we yield completely and totally to God's will in our lives resisting the devil he'll flee from us the thought of the power of Satan being dispossessed from our lives is so wonderfully set out in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, 10, 4 and 5. 2 Corinthians 10. I'm going to read it from the NASB. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 and 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. What if God promised Israel that these armies that they were coming up against would be afraid of them, that they would defeat them? And it says here, for the Christians, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Now what were these fortresses Paul is speaking of here if you read verse 5 very carefully you'll see and verse, verse 5 we are destroying speculations of every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete destroying speculations that were raised up against the knowledge of God and taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ for the Corinthians not a thing Paul said was to be left in possession that was in opposition to the knowledge of God or that was inconsistent with the obedience to Christ this was how our Savior walked when Jesus walked this earth he never opened his sinless heart and mind to anything that was not of God his Father you know our minds 
and our thoughts are constantly under attack from these spiritual powers of wickedness in the heavenlies as the Bible puts it every misconception of God every idolatrous influence every thought of self-pleasing every bit of disobedience to the will of God it is the will of your heavenly father that these are to be dispossessed from your life God desires that we should be victorious over every adverse power that we should stand in the enjoyment of our possessions in Jesus Christ let's read Ephesians 2 and a few verses the first 10 verses of Ephesians 2 and there again this is in the NASB but it comes out nice and clearly in this and you were dead in your trespasses and sins we were dead dead in our trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air Satan we walked like that of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience among them too we all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest man is born under God's wrath but God but God isn't that lovely but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our transgressions in our sins made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not as a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship creators in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them he wants us to walk in good works and you notice what it said there we walked in indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind the focal point of Satan's attack on Christians is the mental realm we read in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 it says in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine upon them Satan's blinded the, the minds of people that they won't accept the gospel of Jesus Christ when we become Christians the Bible says the eyes of your understanding being enlightened our minds our understandings are under subjection to Satan but when the light of the glorious gospel comes in 
the eyes of our understanding are lightened. We see things as God sees them. The mind is stretched in, is stressed so much in Scripture. When we become Christians, it says, we have the mind of Christ. The old mind, where we thought about things and were controlled by Satan, now we're, we should be, in our lives, controlled by the mind of Christ. Before we became Christians, we read, we fulfill the desires of the flesh and of the mind. But now we have the mind of Christ. Paul commends the Christians in, in Philippines, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He wants us to think as Jesus thinks. We read of the Bereans. When Paul uh, spoke, what do we read? They received the word with all readiness of mind. So it is no surprise that our minds are under attack. But we have the wonderful privilege of having the indwelling Holy Spirit and the mind of Christ. And now we come to verse 24. Every place where on the sole of your feet, soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. From the wilderness and it gives the, the, the extent of the land. As soon as the Israelites left Egypt, and you know Egypt is a, is a type of the Christians being coming out of the power of Satan into the, the power of God. But as soon as the Israelites left Egypt, that land, that promised land, was theirs by divine right. It was theirs. They had but to take possession of it. The whole scope of the land was here described. A land, an inheritance, under the control of God, under the sway of God, whose eye was on it from one, from the beginning of the year right to the end. A free gift from God by grace. It was for them simply to set their foot upon it and appropriate it by faith. It was theirs. It was God's desire and his dearest wish for his people to enter into that land and so take possession of all the good things which he had in store for them there. What do we read? We read that Joshua, way in the book of Joshua 11.23, Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord said unto Moses and Joshua gave it for an inheritance unto Israel according to their divisions by their tribes and the land rested from war but sadly when we turn to judges we see what a mess the people made of it God had said it was theirs but we see the pitiful tale of compromise worshipping false gods failure to drive out the enemies that God said they could do if only they would trust in him what a lesson for us where is the Christian who lives up completely to the fullness of the spiritual blessings which are ours in Christ we are blessed the Bible says with all spiritual blessings 
in the heavenlies in Christ. There is absolutely no limit to the privileges connected with our standing. And as to our actual enjoyment, it is only a question of faith. Taking possession of all that God's sovereign grace has made ours in Christ. But we fail to take possession of them. The children of Israel had to walk over the land in faith to believe that God would drive out the enemies. And similarly with us Christians, we must walk over the land in faith and take possession of those good things which Christ has promised to us in Him. When we think of all the blessings in Christ all that he has done for us at Calvary we remember him and we give thanks to him but are we taking all the promises of God through the Lord Jesus Christ seriously have we as it were walked over the land and taken possession of the good things in Jesus Christ we're here to remember him this morning in the breaking of bread and drinking wine and as I said I looked at a few hymns and there's some beautiful hymns in this connection amidst us our beloved stands and bids us view his pierced hands points to his wounded feet and side blessed emblems of the crucified what food luxurious loads the board when at his table sits the Lord? The wine how rich, the bread how sweet, when Jesus deigns the guests to meet. If now, with eyes defiled and dim, we see the signs but see not him, oh may his love the scales displace and bid us see him face to face. Our former transports we recount when with him in the holy mount, these cause our souls to thirst anew his marred but lovely face to view. Thou glorious bridegroom of our hearts, thy present smile a heaven imparts. O lift thy the veil, if veil there be, let every saint thy beauty see. We're all challenged as we come to communion as to how we love our Lord as we remember him as he said as oft you eat the bread and drink the wine you show forth the Lord's death till he come hark my soul it is the Lord tis thy saviour hear his word Jesus speaks and speaks to thee say per sinner lovest thou me I delivered thee when bound and when bleeding healed thy wound Sought thee wandering, set thee right, turn thy darkness into light. Can a woman's tender care cease towards the child she bear? Yes, she may forgetful be, yet will I remember thee. Mine is an unchanging love, higher than the heights above, deeper than the depths beneath, free and faithful strong as death as death 
Thou shalt see my glory soon when the work of grace is done. Partner of my throne shalt be. Say, poor sinner, lovest thou me? Lord, it is my chief complaint that my love is weak and faint. Yet I love thee and adore. Oh, for grace to love thee more. When Jesus said to Peter the third time, Lovest thou me? He said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. It is because of his great love for us that we come here this morning to return in thanks and to remember him in his death. It is the desire of our hearts to love our Savior more, to remember him simply this morning. And here's another hymn, and with this we'll close. According to thy gracious word, in meek humility, this will I do, my dying Lord, I will remember thee. Thy body broken for my sake, my bread from heaven shall be. The cup of blessing I will take, and thus remember thee. When to the cross I turn mine eyes and rest on Calvary, O Lamb of God, my sacrifice, I must remember thee. Remember thee and all thy pains and all thy love to me. Yea, while a breath, a pulse remains, will I remember thee. Jesus said, Do this in remembrance of me. You do show forth his death till he come. Let's just pray. O God our Father, we thank you for the wonderful privilege of meeting around the bread and the wine this morning to remember our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. That we, through his poverty, might be made so rich. We thank you for the blessings we have in Christ Jesus. That we are accepted by you because of him. We are accepted in the beloved. And we want to simply say thank you Lord Jesus for dying for me thank you for suffering and for your precious blood poured out at Calvary and as we remember him this morning we thank you thank you Lord for saving my soul thank you Lord for making me whole Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation, so rich, so free. Oh, for grace to love thee more. Amen.